Welcome to the Fields of Fantasy Podcast, hosted by Pestle and Ed. And welcome to the Fields of Fantasy Week 13 podcast. Pestle and Ed of TH Fantasy Football are with you here today. Week 13, Ed, can you smell the fantasy playoffs? They're coming, they're looming. We're getting very close. I'm not going to be involved in many of them, but no, I'm, excited, I'm excited nonetheless. What's very exciting for us is this is the final week of the TH Fantasy Football Best Ball Bonanza before we hit the round of 16. It's been very exciting for our inaugural year, hasn't it? Yeah, lots of people still involved as we come to the last week. So yeah, keep your eyes on the scores this weekend. Quite a few of the leading teams lost last week, which was very annoying. So we might have to type in a lot more names into our In The Hunt section of the table. We had lots of seven and four teams, but that will be narrowing down now. And I've not looked at the numbers yet, but I think we'll have a few more people that have, that have made their way secure into the round of 16 and in for a chance of that shiny, shiny trophy. I've been having a look at where we're at with our leagues as well. So two weeks until the general playoffs, stateside leagues. I'm hanging on, but I've got no room for error now. I need to win both weeks, really. I, had a, I, w I was convinced I was going to win this week in stateside. I had a strong start, but then the players who played later in the in the slate really let me down and I just lost. So I'm five and seven. So even though my division's tight, I think I've blown it in stateside. I was really pleased last year that I managed to win a league that takes a lot of effort for us, and that's our 24 team, the big one, as we call it, league. My second favourite league that I've been wanting to win, so it's taken a priority over this season. So I've traded my way into having a strong team, and that is our English Football Conference, a 16-team league where we've themed it geographically around the country, and it's a very, very competitive league, that, isn't it? But yeah, but we're both doing well in that. Yeah, I think so we're both on course good. for the playoffs. Our keeper league, I've traded my way into contention with that. I've got very little in the way of premium picks next year. So I'm very much all or nothing. But I've got CMC and Tyreek Hill on the same roster. So I'm very happy with that. If one of them goes down, I am screwed for the foreseeable future. I've had a rubbish season for best ball. Yeah, my best ball, uh, I think Mix would be kind as well. Again, like you, I'm, I'm in, in the mix in the Keep the Quids League uh, and Big Money League. But... Yeah, best ball, I don't know. Whatever my strategy was, I don't really remember, didn't work. However, the TH Fantasy Football Charity Invitational, our bonus league we set up to raise some further funds for the Beast of Memory Cafe, I'm 10 and 2. It's like I've set it up as a ringer to win the money. Oh, okay. So, yeah, very happy with that. So, I should well, what's, hopefully... Who wins that? Is there playoffs or is that... Uh, it goes to playoffs, yes. So, right. it's still all to play for, but I'm quite happy with that. I promised you a couple of weeks ago, though, we would do some more next-gen stats. Yay! And I forgot about it. I remember today when I saw that Jevon Holland's 99-yard interception touchdown, that was quite a play, wasn't it, against the Jets? Yeah, I was out on Friday, but you messaged me about it and I watched it when I got in. And what yeah. an end to a half that was. <laughs> that was really unfortunate for the Jets. It was one of the most Jetsy things I think I've ever seen. It reminded me of, you're not going to like me saying this, Okay. you know, you know where oh, I'm going yeah, with yeah, this, yeah, yeah, it reminded yeah, me yeah. of playoffs last year, Ravens yeah. on the goal line and then the other end, it was just, yeah. from what, it went from one extreme to the other. So he currently sits third, that was with pitch wiggle as we build, I think it was in week two, he ran for 124.4 yards. It was such an impressive run, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't just like he got lucky, he had to make that. Yeah, so absolutely phenomenal play there. Looking at some other stats, so our stat leaders, the fastest ball carrier on the season, 22 miles per hour, no shock, Tyreek Hill still holds that record. The cheater. Kazir White has the fastest sack, 1.95 seconds from the ball being snapped to the QB being sacked. Now, 
after this weekend, where we we the Bengals defense, we'll talk more about them later. Yeah, they made a really what was a really intelligent decision. One snap, they decided not to block what and <laughs> exactly. I don't know what they were thinking, and he flattened Jake Brown in almost before he got the ball. So I'd be interested to see just how quick that, <laughs> how one, quick was. that one was. Who has the longest completed air yards pass? Which QB? Um, I'll give you a clue. You're not going to guess who it is. Oh, it's somebody. Uh, Tommy DeVito. No. Oh. Ryan Tannehill. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then this was one that really stood out. The highest average yards of separation for a wide receiver. Rondale Moore is averaging 4.7 yards of separation. Right. I'm it's... assuming people are just ignoring him. <laughs> yeah, he's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I know his massive play the other week probably accounted for a significant chunk of that. But yeah, just some next-gen stats there for you. Ed, as a little no, treat. Always tasty tidbits. Shall we move on to our favourite part of the week, though, Ed? It's what I look forward to. Fantasy Heroes. Why does Run CMC just keep dominating? Because it's like that. And that's the way it is. Arthur Smith finally removed the handbrake and Bijan produced his best ever fancy score. RB3 and 27.3 points for the rookie phenomenon. We most humbly apologise for telling anyone who asked that Kyron Williams wouldn't have a big first game back from injury. 38.4 points made us look very silly. Rookie Rashi was no pudding as a Kansas City wide receiver finally produced a big score. Eight receptions and a touchdown for Rashi Rice. Jalen put the hurts on the Bills after a slow start, ended with big points with the help of overtime, passing for two and rushing for three touchdowns. But the top scorer in fantasy football keeps on rolling, yet he still might fail to get his team into the playoffs. Four total touchdowns, yards through the air and on the ground, 40 plus points, and he is still comfortably QB1, Josh Allen. I nearly started giggling at the uh, Rishi Rice pudding one. That's, that's very I like good. that well one. Done. You have redeemed yourself. <laughs> Let's get straight into some negativity, though. Go! Fantasy Zeros. Matt Jones would love eight points, but for two owners, it was a bit of a disaster. His worst fancy score in a full game for two years. I've got that sinking feeling about Adam. His fifth game in a row outside of the top 20 wide receivers punctuated by finishing his wide receiver 113. A big fat goose egg for Jonu Smith as Arthur Smith continued to demonstrate his hatred of all fancy managers. CEH, I'd rather start H from steps. Clyde can't run and he can't hide from his fourth game of 0.5 points or lower this season. A kicker can't be a zero. They can when they get you minus points. Matt, pray to what we're playing at. Bailey Zappi and Matt Jones combined for 35 completions, 143 yards, three inceptions, only 1.72 fancy points. QB 33 and 34 on the week. How many teams are there? I mean, hopefully that's uh, been edited very smoothly, but uh, I was very clumsy over some of those. We had to apologise for throwing us a few times. The listeners will never know. Well, and I've just told them. Oh, yes. <laughs> right, let's have a look at some other notables for the week, though. Who we got first? Packers-Lions. Let's look at the first of those Thanksgiving games. Big win for the Packers that keeps them in the playoff mix. Jordan Love keeps on producing the goods. So I'm going to talk about him in the waiver wire later in the show. Three passing touchdowns this week in his QB9. AJ Dillon, Monty and Jameer Gibbs all had solid weeks. Detroit continuing to do a lot of work on the ground. Christian Watson had his best week of the season as he broke 20 points. Amon Ra, just relentlessly consistent. Six or more receptions in every game this season. He just doesn't have a bust week. 
His lowest score was 13.2 in week two. Wow. Sam Laporta is tight end four. Great rookie season. Another touchdown, which is his fifth of the season. And I think a notable mention for the Packers defense. 18 points for them, and they played pretty much lights out. What about those 49ers? Well, the 49ers were very good on defence as well, um, as shown by the fact that Gino only got 8.3 points. We'll talk a bit later about how much of that is to do with the injury of that elbow, how much of it is just the 49ers hammering him. Flat week for Purdy as well, though, 11.46. No Seahawks gave you any value, really. Metcalf, JSN, Lockett all got you around six points. I mean, Metcalf, Lockett could well have been on that zeros list as well. CMC had his biggest week for a while, 30.9, 139 total yards and two touchdowns. It was a Debo week this week, so he had the biggest week over him and Ayuk with 22.4, but Ayuk still saw shot with 13.0 points. And George Kittle's mega points were Oh, we, we put the hex on him. I know, 4.9. You just can't bet against Kittle because you never know what's going to happen, do you? How about them Cowboys and Commanders? Are things going too well for the Cowboys? That's a question. Are too well. <laughs> Life seems very straightforward for them at the moment. Dax QB3, and since week six, he has been the top-scoring fantasy quarterback. Another four passing touchdowns. Close to being a hero, 32 points. Back-to-back -back big weeks for Tony Pollard. He got heavily involved in the receiving game this week. Six receptions, only for 24 yards, but he was used as that short outlet. CeeDee Lamb's wide receiver, three. I mean, even though he's dropped back from those ridiculous scores of weeks eight to 10, I mean, you take 17 points a week, I suppose. Another touchdown for Brandon Cooks, who looks very fantasy relevant all of a sudden. Despite the hammering that the commanders took, Sam Howell still put up a solid score of 18 plus points. And Curtis Samuel was the main beneficiary. He got nine receptions for 100 yards. And then back-to-back -back huge weeks for the Cowboys' defence. They have had six weeks where they've scored 15 or more points. So the final game of the exciting early games was our Black Friday game, was it not? So Dolphins-Jets, um, it was a very slow start. Here. So I was actually uh, doing a record for our fancy basics during the time. In the background, it was very, very slow to get going. Tua let us down. We'll talk about more how he let me down later on. 9.82. Boyle didn't perform a miracle. That was a shocker. I really thought he'd resurrect the Jets' offence, uh, but that didn't manage to happen. He just looked... He looked like he was struggling a lot, didn't he? I mean, the Dolphins' defence was great, but even so. Brees Hall, 11.9. Wilson, Garrett Wilson, obviously. Zach Wilson will not get to mention in any positive form on this show. He pulled it out of the bag in quarter four, so I was really relying on Garrett Wilson having a good week in a number of spots. And in the fourth quarter, he'd say, turn it around, 17.4 points in total. I have no idea how Garrett Wilson left that game with 17.4 no. points. No, how? The absolute epitome of garbage time. The defence was the second highest scorers, though, with 13.0. Most started slow. Now I had most against me in several spots this week, and I thought I was going well. And then he obviously had to go and get two touchdowns, which was completely unnecessary, uh, <laughs> if I'm honest. Completely unnecessary. Uh, so, that very nearly cost me a week in our Keeper League. Tyree Hill clocked in another 25 points and Waddle is second best score of the season on 19.4. Only his second game of the season on 100 yards. Miami defence though, obviously the Jets defence has done well, but Miami defence ended up with 22.0 points. I think they're relatively safe to target wherever you want to target a defence, aren't they? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Jets and, and Dolphins are very good options, fancy defences. 
please tell me that this was the week we were all hoping for with Bijan and Alave. Yes, Bijan yes, and Alave he were the fancy stars of this game. And to be honest, there wasn't that much outside of them. Two touchdowns for Bijan and finally a heavy workload. 27.3 points. It was great to see. Seven receptions for Alave and it was his highest yards per catch number of the season. I was surprised. He is wide receiver 18. I thought maybe he wouldn't be as high as that. Mm. But he, he has had that consistency despite what many have seen as a disappointing season, especially maybe from fancy managers like Mr. Pestle, who expected a lot more from him. Ridder and Carr, both ineffective. It was Drake London's best week since week six, but still only two touchdowns total for Drake London. Wow. But, but Kyle Pitts continues to be fantasy irrelevant. Six consecutive weeks of single-figure scores. What a waste of a talent. Do you know who he was better than, though? Go on. Johnny Smith who I thought would be a great play in DFS this week. And he got me nil point. Nil point. A big, big fat goose egg, uh, as we said. Just a shout out to rookie kicker, Blake Groupe, who kicked five field goals. He was, well, the only points that the Saints got. Uh, and that was uh, 18 points for him. Bills-Eagles was the score fest we hoped for. Um, going to overtime as well, which was always welcome when it comes to fantasy football points. It was a slow start, but huge points from Josh Allen, 40.66. And he performed in a big game. We've said that we need to see that from him, and he certainly did perform here. Jalen Hurts, a measly 34.50. <laughs> really got some value in overtime as well with his score there. James Cook, 16 points. He was the only running back who did you a job. Although if you're in a tight spot and you had to play Latavius Money, you're probably happy with 7.8. Did you deliberately call him Latavius Money? Did I? No, yeah, I didn't. Like Latavius that. Murray. He definitely does not deserve that name. I Latavius retract that. Money Murray. I will retract that immediately. Diggs had a solid game at 9.40, but was wide receiver two behind dishonest Gabe Davis. He is dishonest. Can't trust him. 22.5 points, 97% rostered, but only 48% started. Is that right? So wow. So he scored a lot of points on benches. He was someone that I... Plugged in and out of DFS lineups all weekend. Went without. Should have kept him in. Dalton Kincaid, only 8.8, .8, but still tight end 10 on the week, which is one of those weeks for tight ends. AJ Brown didn't have that big bounce back game that we'd hoped for, but he still clocked in 14.7 points. Wide receiver two behind Devonta Smith again, who got 23.6. Even split the targets as well. There's going to be weeks like this, isn't it, where it's going to be a Smith week rather than a Brown week. That's it. I mean... You know, the game in general, did you feel, uh, I mean, I watched the highlights, it never felt like the Bills were going to take it home. Do you know what I mean? It felt like the Eagles seem like the complete team at the minute. I, I, do you just agree? Just a bit more mojo. Yeah. It. You know, you just thought Hurts will get it done. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they've kind of edged into my favourites at the moment, but that, that's just, uh, you know, my opinion. Solid game from Swift, 14 carries for 80 yards, but he showed that he's fairly touchdown dependent to be a top running back option. Only 9.4 points. Could you please tell me how uh, Steelers Benny went? Because I, I can't quite remember, Ed. Uh, yes, uh, I remember all too vividly because it was horrible and it's going to be like this most weeks. This week's Noah Brown was Pat Freemuth as Lou Anarumo and the Bengals' defence decided they couldn't be bothered to cover him. <laughs> 21 points, that was without a touchdown, show how dominant he was. 
Nothing from any receiver of note. Chase was quiet. There was a couple of extravagant catches from Chase um, that, that he picked up. But yeah, um, I think he got about a dozen points. Maybe the talk of Najee's days being numbered are premature. He did look the more threatening, explosive of the backs between him and Warren. And he got the touchdown. But the Bengals' defense is atrocious this year and is giving up ridiculous explosive plays game after game. I think, you know, getting back to Luana Rumo, there was lots of talk of him getting a head coach job at the end of last season. I don't know what's happened, but he certainly won't be getting any interviews this offseason. What was most frustrating is that Pickett had his best game of the season from a total <laughs> yards perspective. I mean, was it something like 58 games the Steelers had not crossed 400 yards total, but they managed it against the Bengals. And they shouldn't be doing that against the Bengals' defence. With Joey B out, they should be stepping up. Jake Browning did okay. He did as we predicted. Just under 12 points was not a disaster. And he looked solid against tough defence. One silly interception, but you can't blame him for that. Can we please talk about Deontay Johnson not wanting to bother to get involved in the game? Oh, oh that oh, little video was amazing where he just stood there. And, and who was it? I, was, I can't remember who was covering him. But because you messaged me about it, and I, and it, he was like, I can't remember who it was, but he was just really confused. Yeah. He was like, oh, well, uh, 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 well, I watching when the interception came into the going like, why has he not done anything? And yeah. you watch back, and he's literally, well, I'm not involved. So yeah. I'll just stay here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think the quote on the tweet where I saw it was, uh, "Tape study will be interesting Monday morning." So <laughs> could you imagine? I imagine he sat there with his wide right receivers coach. <laughs> Talk us through that, Deontay. Um, I would like to apologise sincerely to everybody. We told not to start Karen Williams during our starts and sits on Sunday. Can, can, you not, can you not go back and delete those posts, Mark? It was no, full accountability. Yeah, okay, okay. We properly got it wrong. We did. We were talking about this just before. I think had James Connor not come back from injury and done so little, maybe that wouldn't be so fresh mind, but it just felt like a running back coming back from an ankle injury wouldn't, Get a ridiculous amount of points. Yeah. Uh, 16 carries, 143 yards on the ground. Six receptions, 61 yards, two touchdowns. Single-handedly from the running back position, he did more than the entire Patriots offense have done for the last few weeks. Yes. So immediately back to full strength. I, anyone wants to ask in future, just play Cara. I don't care what the matchup is. Just yeah. play Cara and Williams. Us. If you could not ask us about it, please. I want to get it wrong again. And final thing on Williams, if you haven't seen his 24-yard run with two nasty stiff arms, check that out. It was proper, just naughty objectification of the defence as he manhandled them. Matt Stafford had his game of the season, 24.36 points, four passing touchdowns. Even Royce Freeman got involved, 13.7 points. Only 1% started, so those 1%, very well done. It was very well picked out. Two Twitter was wide receiver one in a down week for Nakua and Cup. Once again, could both have been in contention for the zeros. Cup still doesn't look right. He's not surpassed five receptions and 50 yards since week six. Goodness me. The worst stretch in his entire NFL career. Yeah, he's what a, it's been a really disappointing season for Cup. Uh, predictably, we said sack off Higby, no oh, point. Oh, God. Finally had a big game. Only 29 yards from his five receptions, but that included. Two touchdowns, so 19.90 points. As we say in these situations, very efficient as a performance goes. Michael Carter was as involved as James Connor for the Cardinals, 7.4 and 7.2 points respectively. Both the risky plays now, I think, moving forward. Connor's RB1 ceiling looks to have lowered to RB2 flex, really. Yeah, he's definitely dropped off. Hollywood was targeted 12 times. 
Only four and five with Murray in the last two weeks. Only six receptions for 88 yards. So that was a slow crawl to his 14.8 points. What about uh, Texans-Jags? That was as exciting as we hoped it would be. It was. That's a, was exactly what I've written, Mark. A really exciting game, which could have gone either way. I just thought it must be great to be a Texans or Jags fan at the moment. Like, it's pretty miserable being a Bengals fan at the moment. <laughs> it's just rubbish. But, yeah, to be uh, Texans, especially, I would say, a Texans fan, because it's so unexpected. I think they've probably earned that of Texans fans. Agreed. Uh, both quarterbacks were very prolific. CJ Stroud outscored T-Law. Uh, just... No interceptions and one more touchdown from CJ Stroud, who is now QB6. RBs were all quiet as most of the points were gained through the air. The highest scoring running back, Singletree and Etienne, both got the majority of their points from receptions. Ridley backed up a big week last week with another big contribution. He, he broke 20 points this week with 21.9 points. And this question was posed, I think, maybe on social media or maybe even on Red Zone. Are Tank Dell and CJ Stroud the greatest rookie wide receiver quarterback partnership Ooh. of all time? I mean, I can't comment on all time, but certainly I can't think of a matchup in my kind of last five, six, seven years yeah. of really getting into NFL. Because, no, you know, even like Chase and Burrow weren't rookies at the no. same time. Tank Dell's on absolute flames and he is wide receiver 14 all of a sudden. He was drafted in the 15th or 16th round in redraft leagues, and he's mm. currently wide receiver 14. Well done if you got on him. Nico Collins was the lead receiver, though. Over 100 yards and a touchdown for him. Evan Engram is tight end seven. He's not having a bad season, but he still does not have a receiving touchdown. You know when he'll get it? This week against the <laughs> Bengals. My least favourite game of the week was, I could have predicted, Browns-Broncos. So the Broncos managed to win 29-12. I don't know how they scored 29 points, even when I'm looking at the stat lines, because there is very little fancy relevance anywhere. So Ford and Njoku both got 11.9. They got their projection for you. Cedric Tillman scored 9.5 for the 1% of people that started him. DTR got just over 10 points as well as could be expected. Amari Cooper is a massive concern, I think, now for the Browns. Yes, he did leave mm. with an injury. He's not only getting the points that you're expecting from him and you draft him to get with DTR. The Broncos' defence, 80 points were they with the defence of the day, and we've been used to watching the Browns dominating teams, and they're with high scorers for the Broncos. Nobody got your big points on that side of the ball either. Russ got you 14.76. P. Ryan, 13.6. If you had to play them, you'd probably be very happy with that. Jonte Williams, Cortland Sutton, Troutman, serviceable. Jerry Judy, interesting, is still yet to have a top 24 week. And I had a look back, he was drafted at the end of round five, beginning of round six in most oh, places. He's the opposite of Tank Dell, isn't he? What Absolutely a bust. bust. And I, I can't imagine he's going to be with the Broncos next season. I also don't know who would possibly want to get him. Can we talk about some more reliable wide receivers, though, Ed? Well, we can. Books at the Colts. I mean, it was another close, exciting game, but there weren't loads of fancy relevant scores. Dangerous and Magic were both quiet at quarterback, both under 15 points. Rashad White on the ground continues to be prolific. Uh, and this week, most of his points did come on the ground uh, as he racked up 100 yards rushing for the first time this season. JT is back, as we've said. He would be a top five running back if you counted from week six onwards. 29 points this week and a couple of touchdowns. Mike Evans is wide receiver eight. 
you must have been really stupid to write him <laughs> off. Two touchdowns and six receptions, well over 800 yards already and well on course for 1,000 yards. Big week for Michael Pittman, his best score since week one with a mammoth 10 receptions. I had Minshew. I'd gone for the Minshew-Pittman stack in quite a few DFS plays. I couldn't work out how his fantasy score was so low because watching him, he looked like he was on for 25, 30 points. But he just didn't seem to accrue the fancy points, did he? It's all that's. I find that so odd. Do you know what I mean? I like sometimes just, you, you he watch. swaggers about and you just assume he's done everything really, yeah. really well. What about the uh, Chiefs Raiders? Well, Mahomes did the job. Twenty point eight two. As did Kelsey. Fifteen point one. But Pacheco and Rice were the stars for Kansas. Is Rice emerging as the clear wide receiver one now? Uh, yes, I, I think he possibly is. He was. He was obviously a hero this week and. He just seems to be pushing himself ahead. Um, maybe he's one that, if, if he's available, try and get, but he won't be available in many places. Pacheco remains up and down. He's got these games in his locker. He's always worth playing. And I was glad we made him start of the week last week, so that worked out quite well for us. <laughs> CH is dumb. Yeah. Only one fancy-relevant game all season. Why would you give him snaps over Pacheco now? I can't imagine he's going to have much of a role potentially much of a future full stop, really. Uh, not the Chiefs, yeah. Where does he go? I mean, and what a disappointing career he's had, really, after bursting onto the scene. As with several quarterbacks that have stepped up this season, O'Connell did as well as could be expected, 13.92. Jake's had his second best game of the season, 22.5 points. And Jacoby Myers checked in with his fifth week as a top 15 wide receiver. How many top 15 weeks does Devontae Adams have? Top 15 weeks, he's had quite a lot of bust weeks, hasn't he? So let, let's go for, for six. Two. Oh, wow. Only 12.3 points on Sunday. As an early round two pick in drafts, I think he's been a huge, huge, like, probably one of the biggest letdowns of the season, really. True. Injuries aside, speaking of huge letdowns, tell me about those Patriots. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots Giants made the Bengals Steelers look like a game for the ages. I mean, it was horrific. What was the combined score of the two Patriots quarterbacks? As we've already said, 1.72. I mean, how is that even possible? Saquon very quiet. RB20 overall when you look at total points. Uh, for the season, but RB9 if you look at average points yeah. per game. He's missed a few games, so I, not as disastrous as you might think. I thought about putting Saquon in as a zero, but it just seems unfair considering he's trying to do everything himself. He really is. There's no, nothing else there. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Jalen Hyatt were the only noteworthy fancy scores. Is rookie Hyatt someone to keep an eye on and think about stashing? Maybe. One tight end reception in the whole game. Nothing for Hunter Henry, nothing for Mike Gesicki. At least both defences got a decent score. 13 points for the Pats and 14 for the Giants. And now you can talk about your favourite Ravens. I thought Ravens' charges was going to be bigger, you, fancy points-wise. You were expecting season. an absolute um, demolition, weren't you? One or just a points fest on both sides of the ball. So I avoided the score all day on Monday, got home, and I started to panic a little bit on the first drive because... The Chargers absolutely marched down the field. The fact they only left with a field goal was just poor finishing by them and getting the job done. However, Zay Flowers was the highest scorer with 23.2. Only five receptions for 25 yards. One carry for 37, but his two touchdowns got him there. 
I cannot wait to see more Zay Flowers touchdowns because the man loves the celebration. Can, can I say I actually quite like Zay Flowers? Even yeah. though he's a rival, I think he carries himself well the way he talks. I think he's he's quite an exciting there talent. There was a great sideline piece where he did like throwing the ball over his head and then I think it was Ronnie Stanley caught it and then Rashad Bateman went to propose like the throwing of the bouquet of flowers. And you could see him explaining to Lamar Jackson on the sideline. And Lamar just looks at us to go, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what we did? Guess what we did, Lamar? (laughs) Um, And what was lovely as well is watching the full game, old tweets emerged that Zay Flowers had sent. Now, this usually panics me with sports people when old tweets emerge. As a high school player, where he was tweeting about how he had voted for Lamar Jackson to win the Heisman. It's quite nice. He just seems seems like a nice bloke, doesn't he? He does. Anyway, Keenan Allen, zero touchdowns, but... 14 receptions, 106 yards. That's a wide receiver that doesn't need to be touchdown dependent, just pure volume. 22.6 points. Gerald Everett scored 14.3 for the 7% of teams that started him. Keaton Mitchell and Isaiah Likely got you just over their projections, so wouldn't disappoint too much. Keaton Mitchell, when I was watching him, he's giving me Pacheco vibes at the minute. A player that was highly touted in camp against the odds of where he was picked up. Quiet first season, growing into the role. I think Keaton Mitchell is showing a lot of promise at the minute. The Ravens' defence won it for the Ravens, though. 18 points, three forced fumbles, all recovered, one interception and three sacks, and they were playing nasty on defence. Well, some massive hits. OBJ, Bateman, Aguilar, all quiet. You say We always say you don't know which one of those you could get flex value from. None of them this week. Quentin Johnston left with a rib injury in the third quarter, but... He'd only got one reception, three targets by then. I'm all out on Johnston. Dump. Yeah, uh, I can't argue with that. Another game that on paper wasn't going to be that exciting for fantasy. How do Panthers-Titans pan out? Yeah, another low-scoring game between two teams who, how shall I put this kindly, aren't looking to be playoff bound. Are Carolina on course for back-to-back number one overall picks? No, they're not. Oh. Oh, they gave it away to the Bears. Yes, so the Bears, if they decide to stick with Fields and trade that away, though, their original first that they traded, they'll have turned into like, what, like eight picks? Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it, at the moment, that's looking like a very good pick for the Bears. Bryce Young and Will Levis both struggled to break seven points apiece. No passing touchdowns between them. Derek Henry was fairly dominant and the difference between the two teams, basically. Couple of touchdowns and 18 carries. Tajay Spears did nothing, which was because <laughs> he was in my DFS lineup. Oh, there we go. There we go. So there's that explained. Chubba Hubbard, I don't care if that's not how you say his name, that is how I say his name, uh, had his best week of the season with just over 20 points and only a second touchdown. The highest scoring wide receiver was Jonathan Mingo, great name, with 10 points on the nose. Chig Okonkwo had his best week of the season. Yes! 8.5 points. No, the week that Higby did well, so it didn't count for any of my best ball. There you go. So th- that's it, really. Nothing else to say about that game. You're going to finish us off with Monday Night Football, which, oh. whoa, not great. Points galore. Hawkinson, 16 points. He's always going to get you points. And Comet, 11.3. DJ Moore, 22.4 points. He must be over the moon, Justin Fields, back. Because as soon as Fields has returned, he's getting the points in. 11 receptions for 114 yards. Roshan Johnson, 10 carries, highest of his rookie career, and five targets, so he worked his way to 12.5. I think there's still good hope for Roshan Johnson that he could be a fantasy-relevant player in the future. And that's it, apart from the defences. Bears, 16. Vikings, 14. Double digits, as promised, by TH Fantasy Football's very own Ed. 
Yes, I did promise that in our Fancy Five show. Give it a listen. This week, bye weeks, Ravens, Bills, Bears, Raiders, Vikings, Giants. So awesome. a mix of impact on there. Well, yeah, We're some with, big players a bit out, though. Without some quarterbacks in there again, so that will make it very tricky to navigate this week. Thursday night football, Seahawks, Cowboys. So get your Cowboys players out of your flex spots. And if you start in Lockett or Metcalf, maybe get those out as well. We'll talk more about Gino later. Shall we hear about some more players we're missing there with our injury report, Ed? I believe we have a new drop. Malcolm! Oh! The injury report. Oh, 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 oh! Miles Garrett will be a huge loss for the Browns' defence after oh. being injured at the end of the game. Oh, I missed that. Uh, he had a, his arm in a sling because something popped. Ouch. That's not how I'd like to describe my shoulder. As no, something popping. especially when you've got as many muscles as he has. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <yeah. laughs> I've just remembered him dressed in a suit at the draft that year. <laughs> yeah. Like he'd been sprayed onto him. DTR ruled out for a head injury. Amari Cooper left with a rib injury, but the x-ray was all clear. Quentin Johnston left with a rib injury, but x-ray was clear. Sorry, Chargers fans, he might be fit for next week. Baker Mayfield left the field and returned after an ankle injury, but had an encouraging MRI. So should be good for week 13. You said a couple of weeks ago you were starting to warm or soften, at least towards Baker Mayfield. He's, he seems to have wound his neck in. Yeah. I prefer Baker Mayfield when he's not at the top of his game and being all cocky, so he, he can't he, back it up. He just seems to be getting on with his job yeah. at the moment, which is probably why I've softened a bit I, towards I'm him. I'm assuming the advert deals have, uh, have tried, tried up, up a little yeah. bit. Rashid Shahid left with a thigh injury and didn't return. Chris Olave was on an absolute blinding game till he left with concussion. That's it. On top of everyone else that's already out, to be fair, but not a huge week for injuries this week. And Baker looks to be back. No new QB injuries. That is always what we can hope for. So they are the players we are going to be forced to be without. Let's talk about some players that you could probably do without this week. Seats of the Week. So I've adjusted the stats this week. I'm looking at the fewest fantasy points against over the last four weeks. So looking more at those recent trends. Actually, the correlation between that and the whole season is relatively close. So there's lots of these teams will appear on both lists anyway. So fewest points against fantasy QBs. The Browns, they've got the Rams sit Stafford this week, but I'm going to talk about him later on. Ravens are on the bye. They're second fewest against QBs, so no worries there. And the Colts are third best against fantasy QBs. I mean, I could say this anyway, but absolutely sit Will Levis anyway. Yeah, he's, he's I mean, since he, he became the greatest quarterback to ever play the game about four weeks ago, he's he's kind of pinned a bit more yeah. normal. Yeah, and I was sure that he was the real deal and he was ready to be anointed the new king. But there we go. Running backs. So fewest points against the Dolphins. So they've got the commanders this week. Robinson, a risky flex and Bench Gibson. Uh, I'll keep that simple. Second, Buccaneers. So, Panthers, I'd steer clear of Hubbard and Sanders this week. Hubbard, if you've got to play him, depending on what your roster's looking like, brace yourself for flex at best, probably. And then third, best against running backs, the Eagles. They've got the 49ers. They've got this guy called Christian McCaffrey. Um, I've heard oh, good things. Yeah, I'd probably good. chance to start on him anyway. Yeah, maybe, maybe give him a go, see how he gets on. Wide receivers. So, Broncos are best against fancy wide receivers at the moment. Are they? Which I was very surprised about. You're likely still going to start Collins and Dell though because they've got the Texans. Sorry Bobby Trees, I won't be starting you anywhere this week or even in DFS. Jets are now second against fancy wide receivers. They've got the Falcons. Sit them all. I'm not, I don't care that we had the best week from Drake London. He's not starting this week. Panthers, third best against fancy wide receivers. They've got the Bucks. Evans and Godwin, 
you're probably going to play them anyway because of what you've got around them. But both risky flex players this week. Tight ends. Chiefs are the best against fancy tight ends. They've got the Packers. Musgrave's likely out for the season. Don't risk anyone else. Lions, they've got the Saints. Taysom Hill's not actually a tight end. So he is, according to Sleeper. He is, according to Sleeper, but it doesn't really count, does okay. it, for him? So, yeah, start him anyway. I hate saying that, but I'll explain why in a little while. And then the Browns, they've got the Rams. Back to a quiet week for Higby. I think we can probably bench Higby again. Who are you looking at before I get to my main sit of the week? Well, I can carry on with that theme of tight ends and I can carry on with the theme of the Atlanta Falcons. I don't think you can start any Atlanta Falcons tight ends this week. They're just not being used by Arthur Smith and Desmond Ridder. Kyle Pitts has been targeted five or fewer times in a game on eight occasions. He's had one touchdown this season and over 10 points twice, but he's still tight end 18. Jonu Smith, after what appeared to be a breakout game against the Vikings in week nine, has had one reception in two games with a total fantasy score of 1.1 points. And that was against the Cardinals, who've got a rubbish defence, and the Saints, who admittedly their defence is improving. And the Falcons have the Jets this week, as we've established, who are obviously no mugs at all on defence. So I think you'll be benching a lot of your Falcons players this week, and they're just not getting you points. My sit of the week this week is a player we have also had as a start of the week, and that is Geno Smith. How much did his elbow injury hamper him against the 49ers? 27 passes for 18 receptions, 180 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. I don't think he's going to get any better against the Cowboys. I think we can probably pen some in for a fair few sacks this week. If you've been riding with Gino, I think it's time to stream or play whoever you may have supported him on your bench, which likely you will do unless you've been ravaged by injuries elsewhere. But yeah, this week, sit of the week, unfortunately, is Mr. Gino Smith. Ed, it's time for our advert from Stateside, but some more new Malcolm. Let's hear from Stateside and something exciting they have on offer for us. Want to get closer to Super Bowl 58 on game day? Pre-order your official Super Bowl program now. Featuring a holographic cover and unique artwork to celebrate Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. You can have your copy of the official Super Bowl program in time for kickoff. Visit statesidesports.co.uk now to guarantee yours. Viva Las Vegas! Thank you very much, Malcolm. So you're very excited if you want to get your hands on a Super Bowl program for next season. If you want to have uh, something to as memento of the Ravens' victory <laughs> in Las Vegas. Uh, very excited. Well, we will have a bonus copy of that program to give away. I'm going to say we're going to announce how we're going to do that next week because I've literally just mentioned to Ed that we're going to do it and we don't know how we're going to do that yet. But keep your ears open. We'll let you know how you can get your hands on a free copy of that when we've worked out how to best orchestrate it. Starts of the week. Starts the week then, same profile, looking at the last four weeks. And the Eagles appear quite heavily on this. So wide receivers, the Eagles are the worst against fantasy wide receivers. They've got the 49ers. Debo and I should both have solid weeks this week. Quite possibly could both have wide receiver one weeks in their own right. That was quite tricky to say. That was a bit of a tongue twister. Patriots, they've got the Chargers. Keenan Allen will likely do all the heavy lifting again. Palmer and Guyton possibly have flex value. Johnston... You should have dropped him. You can't start him. He's on waivers now. Giants, a third worst against fancy wide receivers there on their bye, so no concerns there. Tight ends. So the Saints have got the Lions. Fire up Sam Laporta. 
The book's second worst against fancy tight ends. They've got the Panthers. Who are you starting, Hurst or Tremble? Neither. There we go. That's <laughs> our advice there. And the Eagles have the 49ers, we've already said. Back to big numbers for Kittle. You're always starting George Kittle anyway. It's just part of the roller coaster of having him on your roster, isn't it? The big weeks and the low weeks. QBs, the books have got the Panthers. I'm still not risking Bryce Young, but he could have a good game here. Falcons have got the Jets. Nope. <laughs> there we go. That's what I've got written down. <laughs> You're not touching Boyle. And the Eagles, once again, the third worst against fancy QBs. Purdy will be a great play here. I think we're going to see a lot of 49ers stacks in DFS this week as well, which is probably why I'll steer away from them. Ah, yes. I'm going to get to my running backs, though, in my starts of the week. Who are you looking at? Uh, I'm going to talk about someone. It makes me sad to talk about them because I miss him, and that's Samar J. P. Ryan. He would have been a great keep. He would have been a great keep, uh, but anyway, let's not talk about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's had a disappointing season, to be honest, but he's woken up the last two weeks. Week 11, it was the passing game, 7 of 7 for 60 yards, and in week 12, last week, it was the rushing game, 7.86 yards per carry and a touchdown. Now, he's either on your bench or he's available on waivers, but... I think he's pushed back ahead of Jaleel McLaughlin as RB2 in Denver. He's behind RB1, uh, Javante Williams, who did leave the game against Cleveland with a neck injury, which isn't thought to be serious. Pirine only started in 5% of leagues last week, so he may be worth promoting from your bench if you have a spare flex spot. Denver have a very appealing fancy playoff run of they games. Really do. Texans, Chargers, Lions, Pats, Chargers. Wow. I mean, get your Denver Broncos players into spots. Get them in now. My starts the week then, all running back focus. Just a quick throwback to the two starts the week last week, Zay Flowers and Tony Pollard. Like we said last week, there is some luck in calling some of these, and we didn't get them all. We've spoken about Kyron Williams already. But if you look at the matchups, it does make it more probable you can make those right selections. Flowers, lots of weeks you probably wouldn't be hoping much from him. Pollard, we've not hoped for a great deal before, but... For both of them, their spike weeks have coincided with the favourable matchups. It's obvious, really, isn't it? Yes, Mark, it is, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was rhetorical. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you looked at me for an answer. <laughs> so, running backs this week, Seahawks are the worst against fantasy running backs. They have the Cowboys, so let's mention Tony Pollard again. Can he make it three in a row? He's had 18 points, 22.3. Lovely 25 this week, do you reckon? I think so, yeah. Possible, isn't yeah. it? Second worst, Commanders. So, they've got the Dolphins. If A-Chan is back, you'll likely risk him and most, I think, who knows which way, but you don't want to have one of them sat on your bench when they go off and run off for three touchdowns and 100-odd yards, do you? We need to see how this timeshare works out. I'm expecting pretty much 50-50, if I'm honest. For the rest of the season? Yeah. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a dominant one there, no. And then third worst against fancy running backs are the Cardinals. They've got the Steelers. Our talk of Jalen Warren taking over was maybe premature. He did have that fumble early in the game, though, so that impacted his game time, and Harris just seemed to take advantage of that. I think we need to see how this new offence is set up and how that shapes up for both of these two players. I think they could both have a good week here, though, so you're probably going to play both Harris and Warren in this matchup. If we've got some gaps, though, how can we fill them? Fire from the wide. So first up on Fire from the Wire, we've spoken about him already and he's very popular on the wave wire this week and that's Pat Frymuth. Currently only rostered in 48% of the leagues, mainly as a result of missing five games through injury earlier in the season. 
Obviously, he's a huge talent. He's got credit in the bank. But bear in mind, the Bengals' defence is giving up so many explosive plays every single week. Sorry, I'm quite annoyed about it. <laughs> so be wary. I would not expect big numbers like that from Frymouth every week. But like the Broncos, the Steelers do have a kind run of games. They've got the second easiest schedule in the whole NFL on paper. I think from memory. So he could continue the momentum and probably better than what you already have, uh, especially we've talked about some tight end busts. Speaking of tight ends, Mark? I mentioned Isaiah Likely last week. Last week he was 5% rostered. He's now 57% rostered. He only got eight points at the weekend, but he was heavily involved. And I think with the bye coming up, I think there's a good chance he could have more involvement when he comes back as well. So Isaiah Likely, if you're in a, a tough spot for tight ends, could definitely be worth a pickup. When you mentioned Pat Frymouth, we did say the other week, though, didn't we, that could he be that safety valve for Kenny Pickett? It's not much of a coincidence, I don't think, that Pickett's best game coincides with Frymouth hitting what looks like full strength again. No, I, I think it's a great point. Yeah, uh, they, they, looked, they looked like they linked up well together. Who else can we pick up, though? What is the best named man in football, Greg Dortch? He's such a rubbish <laughs> Well, he surprisingly, I put with a question mark, but I think it was he a bit... He plays of a, the same sport as Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> he surprisingly backed up an unexpectedly good week 11 with another solid week against the Rams, which included his first touchdown of the season. But... Bear in mind, he only secured three of nine targets. It's no coincidence that he's picked up as Murray has returned. They had a similar connection last season, but also factoring that Michael Wilson is out with a shoulder injury. So while that continues, expect Dorch's snap percentage to stay high. So I think Greg Dorch could be a decent pickup. We've talked about P. Ryan. Not much more to add, except get him if he's available, even to stash on your bench to stump an opponent. He's only rostered in 20% of leagues, so a good chance he's available. Gerald Everett. Ah, Gerald Everett. The <laughs> archetypal boom or bust tight end. I mean, he had his best week of the season against the rubbish Ravens defence. Hey. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> but he's only had more than two receptions on five occasions this year. And his snap percentage is all over the place. It's gone from a low of 33 to a high of 74. He's had three top 10 tight end weeks, which surprised me. But can you trust him? I think the answer is no. Uh, but you, you might want to risk him if you're desperate for a tight end. Jordan Love, answer me this, Mark. Okay. How is QB9 rostered in only 52% of leagues? He just doesn't look like QB9, does he? But he is. Yeah. <laughs> he is a QB9. Surely there are lots of you who've had worse than him in your starting lineup on your bench. He's had two or more passing touchdowns in a game on six occasions this season. And he's consistently topping 20 completions. Six games in a row, he's completed 20 passes. Green Bay are firmly in the playoff mix, and Love is a big part of that. Yes, they've got a tough game up next against the Chiefs, but they're at Lambeau, and I would not be surprised if the Packers continue their run and beat the Chiefs and pick up another W. I'm just looking at his game log, and see that down week in week five... He's been very consistent. Is, is, is it? Very consistent. I was, I was thinking, will you see a point where oh, everyone dropped in there and they've just not recovered? But yeah, no. no, strange one. Speaking of quarterbacks, you've got another one for us. So another one who is, I understand why his Ross potentially is where it is, and that is Matthew Stafford, only rostered in 46% of leagues. He had his bounce back game this week, and this is what he can do. We've already said he probably isn't worth a start this week, though. 
because he's got that game against the Browns, who we've already said are the best team against fancy quarterbacks. But the reason I still think he's worth picking up is because he has a very favorable fancy playoff run. Commanders, Saints, and Giants. So he could be worth picking up in what is still an injury-ravaged QB landscape. Chance of one, one more big QB injury this season? I'd be surprised likely. if there wasn't. Last but not least, Dearness Johnson. Dearness, Dearness Johnson. Uh, I mean, he seems to have displaced Tank Bigsby as RB2 behind the misfiring Travis Etienne in Jacksonville. He's had three very modest weeks, six to seven points, and I can't really see his ceiling being much higher than 10 points. Is he worth a punt in deeper leagues? ETN returned in the game. I think he left the game, but he returned in the last game. So you can't really rely on ETN being out next week. He does have the Bengals on Monday Night Football, though. So could Dernis Johnson be the player that Luana Rumo forgets is playing this week? Mm. Yeah, could well be. Quite possibly. Could well be. Fantasy Basics. On this week's Fantasy Basics, though, we are back to our new formula, which is having guests on. So this week's guest is Ryan Miner, all the way from USA, Ed. We've got an American guest on this week. I, I won't do any American accents. No, no, well no done. I, I've learned my lesson. Um, and we were talking about players that could be useful pickups and players with favourable playoff runs, like we've just said about Matthew Stafford. And Ryan focused on running backs and wide receivers. I focused on quarterbacks and tight ends. Shall we hear what Ryan had to say about some running backs? Yes, I'm excited to hear his knowledge. Uh, welcome to the Fields Fantasy Fantasy Basic Show. I am joined today by our guest Ryan Miner, and that is at Ryan Miner underscore FFB on the uh, app formerly known as Twitter over on X, lead fantasy football writer for FF Faceoff, co-host of Beer Fueled, auction draft enthusiast, and number one source for waiver wire. Does that sum you up very well from reading directly from your X bio, Ryan? Yeah, know they ran onto a T, man. You know, you can't go wrong on that. <laughs> so what we're going to be looking at then is what I think is going to be a really, really useful show, a show I've quite enjoyed doing some research for, and that is looking at players that could potentially win as championships, players that have got that favourable playoff run. We're, we're still trying to find this season's Jarek McKinnon, uh, that player who could be waiting to spring to life and have a great run and win us some leagues. So would you like to kick us off then, Ryan, with running backs? Yeah, the one running back I'm definitely on to, and a lot of people might be off him now just because he was the hot waiver wire pickup a couple weeks ago. And he's kind of been showing that he was getting, what, I think a little less than 40% of the carries. But that's Ty Chandler for me of the Minnesota Vikings. You look at Alexander Madison, and yeah, he's getting, he's getting the yardage. He's getting lots of fantasy points. But he has a case of the fumbleitis. <laughs> and I'm not too worried about the whole fumbles being where... He's going to be controlling that job. I think it's going to be Ty Chandler's job, and he could be that Jarek McKinnon type of play going forward as he's so useful in that passing game. I think fumbleitis is my new favourite word to use when talking about running backs now. It's an excellent little bit of wordage. But yeah, you're right. Looking, so week 10 against New Orleans, running back 27. Week 11 against Broncos, running back 15. 10 points week 10, 15 week 11. If we're seeing the start of an upward trend, then yeah, he could be fantastic value leading towards the playoffs. And he's got a relatively good run in the playoffs as well, looking at that. So he's got Bengals week 15, Detroit a little bit tougher week 16, but then Green Bay Championship weekend, potentially a really, really good play. That's what I like a lot. Who else are we looking at? Another one, and people are going to hate it, because I guarantee he's being he's being dropped because he's not he hasn't been activated to the active roster. 
and that is Leonard Fournette. Oh, here we are going into the third week of him not being activated onto the Buffalo Bills. But you look at the Buffalo Bills schedule coming up, they're trying to push for that playoff, they need every win they can get. And you look at it, yeah, after they, so they have a week 13 bye. So this is where I see everyone starting to drop them because the bye is coming along. People are like, all right, they're playing in Philly. He's not activated. I'm done with them. This is where you want to scoop them up is during that bye week because it's a perfect opportunity when they say, all right, we're going to activate them against Kansas City. You, you got Kansas City, Dallas, who's going to be a tough one. Chargers, who's going to be easier one to run on. New England, who anyone can run on. And we know how Bill Belichick and that whole entire team has just been falling apart. So definitely one running back I really like there. Hard to swallow right now, but trust me on this one. He could be a really good shout for uh, what we kind of refer to as those Sunday stashes. So when you have that open free agency on a Sunday, trying to get someone if you've got a spot freed up because of someone who's out or on the IR, he could be a fantastic player. And yeah, you're right. With that week 13 buy, could be a, could be fantastic value because people won't be thinking about him. And I mean, they don't call him playoff Lenny for nothing, do they? Uh, hopefully no. he could have that huge impact in the fancy playoffs this season. He could be a fancy Lombardi Lenny for us, you know, if, if we pick <laughs> him up the right time and play him because we're stuck at running back. It's like he could be our, he could be a flex player who's putting up RB1 numbers. Right, so Leonard Fournette is a big shout, okay? <laughs> it, is. <laughs> it is a big shout. Do you know what I always like when we speak to guests? I think because a lot of our conversations about NFL and fantasy are together, we tend to, we know each other's opinion and we share a lot of opinion on certain things. Very true. We bring each other around to that way of thinking. When you've got someone who we've never spoken to before and you get a completely different perspective, I think it's quite interesting to see those takes on players, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, all three, all three are potential breakouts. They seem a bit more like dart throws to me, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them has a great playoff run. So the rest of that show will be released on Sunday. So we go through each position, looking at selections from each of those. So definitely check that out. And then next week's guest, we have Rich Cooling. Dennis Allen, friend of the friend show, of the show. Rich. Friend of the show, Rich. This will be his third appearance. We did mention a match ball or some merchandise. We need to get him something sorted, so thank you. Can we give him one of our business cards? <laughs> Here you go, you may frame this. Rich is always absolutely fantastic to have on the show. Um, we always enjoy chatting with him, so we'll have him on next week. Would you like to get to competitive, Edward? Well, it's not very competitive. No, it's not. <laughs> Fantasy Props. Pistol versus Ed. Yes, so last week's fancy prop, we did a bit of Thanksgiving slash Black Friday, higher or lower, and shock horror, Mark won again. Yep. <laughs> so AJ Dillon, 10.1 points. You said he would be higher, and he just got higher, 11.1, an extra point. Scary Terry. This uh, was close. This was close. 9.3, you went lower. He was lower by 0.3 points, so that's 2-0 so far. Tony Pollard, you debated this one, but you you said lower, and he was higher. He went from 18 to 22, so you got that one wrong. Tua, you said higher, and you were massively confident about him oh, being higher. Right, I'm, I was listening back to him, I was editing it. There was something in my head that made me completely confident, to the point I think I even laughed. Yeah, you went you went high with that. I had no idea what that was. When I was this back, I thought, well, obviously it's going to be lower. But like, I even wanted to like, edit back in and go, no, lower, obviously. No idea why I said that. So you're significantly lower, 18.6 to 9.82. So that made it two all. But then CMC, you had faith in him to go higher than 21.3. And he did it easily, 30.9. I promise I'm trying, but it is now 9-3 to Pestle with probably another three points coming his way from that opening prop. 
So this week then, I put polls out on Saturday and Sunday asking our followers on the application formerly known as Twitter whether they thought the AFC East, North, South or West were the most fancy relevant division and then the same for the NFC. And then using that, we now have the lowest scoring, so what people perceive to be the worst divisions to pick our teams from. As it is my prop to you, Ed, you got the choice of division. So, bottom in the AFC was the AFC South with 17%. That was very close for the rest no, of it, though. It was. I think, you know, the AFC, even the AFC South has got some great players. The AFC was the tougher choice, I thought. So, the East got 30%, North got 27%, West got 26%. The NFC, a little bit more clear-cut. So the East got 56%, the West got 25%, North got 14%, South 5%. So you got the choice of which conference you wanted to take. Who did you go for? Um, it wasn't a difficult decision. I went for the AFC South. Who are you going for for your lineup then? Yeah, so lineups are quarterback, two wide receivers, two running backs, a tight end, and we've gone for just a defence because we're both leaning towards no kicker and a defence, yeah. maybe going forward. So... QB, it was a straight pick for me between T-Law and CJ Stroud. And purely because the Bengals are so rubbish on defence. I think I've said that enough times. This you have show. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mention it once or twice. I've gone for T-Law. And um, wide receiver, I couldn't decide between uh, Tank Dell and Nico Collins. But I went for Tank Dell, a bit more explosive. I've gone for that Calvin Ridley stack with T-Law. I think they'll, they'll make a lot of hay against the Bengals. Running backs, fairly straightforward in terms of JT. Jonathan Taylor is my first running back. Derek Henry will let me down and get no points, but I've chosen him as my second running back. Um, and I thought we tend to do the Bengals not very well against tight ends either, as demonstrated this week. So I fancy Evan Engram to get his first touchdown of the year. So he's in at tight end. And that my defence is going to be the consistently top eight defence, the Indianapolis Colts. So I've gone. T-Law, Tank Dell, Calvin Ridley, Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, Evan Engram and the Indianapolis Colts defence. So I didn't have quite such an exciting decision to make at quarterback. So with the NFC South, I have got at quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, dangerous. Could, the irony of dangerous does a job for you. Yep. Running backs, quite an easy decision. I've gone for Bijan and Alvin Kamara. Wide receiver, Alave. I'm hoping he's back from his concussion. Uh, and Mike Evans, who seems to just keep relentlessly getting points. Tight end was an easy decision because I've gone for the cheat code that is Taysom Hill mm. and hope that he gets a bit of passing work, rushing work, a bit more, a bit more of the work. And then defense, nice and easy. The Falcons have got the Jets this week. So I've gone Falcons. That is probably a good shout. That's not a bad team, it's actually. It's not. Quarterback's the only position that, if I had that as my actual lineup, Horseback's the only position I'd be wanting to strengthen with immediate effect, I think. Can so, I just clarify, you know, you mentioned about Alavi being yeah. out. If anyone's not playing, it's tough. Is that what you're saying? I think we, I think we can give ourselves a swap out. Okay. In, I think we lock those in unless a player is injured for either of us. So we can have one out on Sunday if we need to. Okay. And that, um, that has to be an injury. Yes. yes. Injury only, not because okay. we change our mind. Okay. Um, so we'll put that together as a graphic and stick it out on Twitter for you so you can see who's going to win Team Pestle or Team Ed. I would love to get to 10 first. That would be delightful. Well, so I'm going to get to 10 first. I, I, I'm, I'm resetting for next season. I'm, I'm rebuilding for next season already. Sunday Night Bet Club. Last week then, we spoke this on the Fancy Five show. I went for the Thanksgiving double up and it all went horribly wrong. So I wanted the Lions to win and went under. The Lions lost and it went over against the Packers. Commanders, Cowboys, 
Cowboys won. That was going to be easy. I went for 48.5. The Cowboys nearly did that by themselves, so my under did not come in. The only one I got right is the 49ers beat the Seahawks, and it went over 42.5. Last year, we made sure we did this twice a season. This is the second time I'll be bringing this one back, Ed, and that is... Scorigami time. Oh, I love Scorigami. So remember, Scorigami is when a result that has never happened, so a point score that has never been recorded in the NFL before happens, that is a Scorigami. Now, I nearly changed my mind on this when I checked when the last Scorigami was to find out when I last placed the bet on it. The last Scorigami was last week, though, and that was Denver Broncos beating the Browns with a score of 29 to 12, was a Scorigami, being the 1,081st distinct score and the sixth of the 2023 NFL season. That seems like a lot. There were only normally... two last year. Right. And I then thought, well, if it happened last week, I won't do it this year. And then remember, probability doesn't have a memory. So that was a lot <laughs> nonsensical logic to apply. So I put my Scorigami bet on. I've put a fiver. Odds of 18 to 1. So I'd love that to come in. I have a record of betting on this so far three times. And three times it has happened. You're going to make it four or four, Mark. I'm confident. Let's hope. I love a score of Garmy, especially when it gives me some money in my virtual wallet on the betting app of choice. Any more points to make, Ed? No, I think we've imparted a lot of wisdom, Mark. I'm very happy with that. Good luck with the editing. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot to edit this week. I have got a bang ahead this week, so hopefully it hasn't come across in the enjoyment we have tried to show this week. Should we talk about our special Christmassy shows coming up? Oh, yeah, it's, it's almost December. It might be December if you're listening to it to us, and, and that means Santa's on his way. We are, all right. <laughs> We're going to be doing some recording next week, some special Christmas shows. I think, should we do a formal announcement next week, though? It yes. feels like a top of the show rather than a bottom of the show sort of thing. I agree, yeah, because by this point, most people have tuned out, haven't they? Yeah, they <laughs> Malcolm, we, we've almost said too much. I think it's that time once again. Take us home. You have been listening to Pestle and Ed of TH Fantasy Football. For more content, follow TH underscore Fantasy underscore NFL on Instagram and Twitter.